Welcome to The Brave Place, where we journey into the lives of brave men and women who have beat the odds or who are in the trenches right now. Difference makers who have truly discovered the warrior that lives within and are living it out. This is the place that will inspire, encourage, enlighten, and challenge that brave person that lives deep down within all of us. Welcome back to The Brave Place. I'm your host, Christy Rodriguez, and I am so, so, so honored and excited for this podcast today because I don't know of a more powerful story of reconciliation and just the work of Jesus between two relationships. And the depths of this go in so many other avenues. Listeners out there, you have already heard from Tamara Picasso on my podcast. Basically, I met with Tamara about, it's been about a year ago, right, Tamara? Yeah, it's been about a year. And Tamara was very honest and transparent about her personal journey through infidelity. Um, She was the betrayer in her marriage. She betrayed her husband, and she also betrayed her best friend, Crystal. And what is so unbelievable about this podcast today is that we are sitting here with Crystal in the same room, and they're great friends today. And I hope those of you listening can glean just the power of Jesus Christ and how he can heal anything. He can heal our hearts in any direction, in any way, and that this podcast will bring you a lot of hope in whatever you're facing, not necessarily an issue of infidelity or betrayal, whatever you're facing. Crystal DeRider and Tamara Picasso, first of all, welcome to The Brave Place, both of you. Thank you. We're happy to be here. Tell me a little bit about your friendship, how you met. So Tamara and I were toddlers mm-hmm. um, at the same church. Our parents were friends. And really, that's kind of where it all started. Sunday mm-hmm. school, as toddlers sharing goldfish. From there, we didn't really have any connections other than our parents through childhood. You know, our our paths intersected at, at different points. Um, and then again, in high school, when we dated best friends. So it was years and years later, we knew about each other, but we really got a chance to um, to become friends, per se, um, when we dated um, two boys that were best friends. Okay. And that was in high school is, is where the friendship really started. Yes. I think that's where I saw the hope that I could be her friend. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you've, you anybody's ever, there. yes, anybody's mm-hmm. ever hoped to be somebody's friend. Like okay. they're, they're. They're pretty or they're smart or they're happy or you just want to be their friend. You saw them different places. Um, that was really the first opportunity that I had to to be her friend. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, I always knew who Crystal was, kind of the same thing that Crystal just said uh, when we dated our these two guys in high school. Um, I'll, I'll never forget the time that we were at the church and they were recording yes. some songs. Yes. <laughs> um, and we were kind of just sitting like in the pew. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Both of you can sing. Crystal, I didn't know you could sing. I can't until sing. just now. Oh, she can sing. So anyway, that was kind of the first time in our lives, besides sharing our goldfish as babies, that we connected. Mm-hmm. And I really felt drawn to Crystal, too. I wanted to be her friend. Mm-hmm. Fast forward a few years. Tamara, you get married to Aramie. Yep. And that was our podcast a year ago where we talked about you and Aramie yeah. and and your side of the story mm-hmm. um, of this infidelity. And then fast forward, Crystal, you also got married. I did. After high school. I did. Yep. Did you marry the same guys you were seeing in high school? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. And so you both married different men. And then how did you 
connect again. We actually ran into each other at a restaurant in the parking lot. And we're like, we should hang out. Yeah. And then I didn't even know at the time that my husband at the time knew Tamara and Ermi. And so I knew who she was and I recognized her. But when that connection was made between them as well, I think the lights like kind of turned on like, oh, we can have a lot of fun. Yes. And yeah. And where I was at at the time in my marriage, like, I, I needed that. I needed that friend. And so to know that Tamara and Aramie both knew him was very hopeful for me. OK, so you were struggling there in your marriage at that point. Yes. Whenever yes. you met Tamara and Aramie. Mm-hmm. OK, two couples. Y'all are hanging out all the time. What was that like? What everybody dreams of having married best friends. Literally every single day we knew we were going to be hanging out together, whether it was dinner or going to a baseball game. And mind you, we were like 22 at the time. Like we were not deep into marriage. We were not deep into careers. Like we were very much still young. We were not deep into adulthood. Yes, yes. (laughs) We were very much still operating in the fun of life and the adventure. Mm -hmm. And Tamara and Aramie were fun. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) What was your walk with the Lord at that time? Um, I knew God. I loved God. Uh, Aramie and I were in church and we were involved in church leadership. Um, and my relationship with God was kind of what I had always known it to be, which I thought was good. But I didn't truly, looking back, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Looking back, I really didn't know him and what he had done for me in my life. I think I, I knew what a Christian was and it's what I wanted. For my life, I wanted to be a follower of Jesus, but mm-hmm. I didn't really know what that meant and how mm-hmm. to live it out. Mm-hmm. That intimacy. The intimacy. Exactly. What about you, Crystal? I grew up in church, always at church, serving at church, leadership at church, mission trips at church with my parents were in church. Everything was church and youth group and, you know, the, the dream of, you know, get married young, have a family. All of that was very ingrained in me. So... What started happening? I mean, obviously, we've got best friends here hanging out. Your husbands are great friends. You're great friends. You're spending every day together, um, just about every day, um, doing life together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you both have relationships with the Lord. Absolutely. Where did the breakdown take place? Because looking from the outside, looking in, I would say, well, these are pretty solid people, solid foundation. What happened? There's a song that says it's a slow fade when you give yourself away. Uh, Mm. It's a slow fade when black and white turns to gray. Mm. And that really resonates with how things went down in in that season. I had a great marriage and an amazing husband, which I talked all about in our last podcast episode. And really, it was just insecurity and brokenness in, in my heart that I had never dealt with. It was all swept under the rug. And, you know, I talk about this wall around my heart was kind of just building up slowly and just some issues that I had never really dealt with. So when I started seeking attention from someone who wasn't my husband um, and getting it, it was one just truly one small choice after the next um, that I couldn't even recognize at the time that these boundaries were being crossed, but Mm -hmm. they were. And then before you knew it, it was this full on, full blown affair happening. You mentioned insecurities and brokenness that you weren't even aware were there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, Aramie 
is a great man and he was a great husband and we were young and and there might have been some things that that Aramy did that that I didn't like, you know, small things, but I didn't know how to deal with that. I didn't know how to communicate. I didn't realize that those things were poking at these insecurities that were already in my heart. And so this resentment build up for things that never should have been there, it just all went south from there mm-hmm. because of my lack of understanding of how to communicate and deal with these these issues in my heart. Mm-hmm. And it just took like one small moment. One small moment. Yeah. So as your friendship is progressing and you guys are continuing to all hang out and have fun together, um, are you noticing this connection with Tamara and your husband at the time? Is it even entering your mind that something is going on here? Um, It wasn't entering my mind that something was going on between them. I saw the attention, but I didn't correlate it to an affair. I, I just saw that he always wanted to be around them. But I started to see the difference at home versus like who he was when we were with them. And so I craved that person. And so I thought, okay, there's there's something to be said about who they are that makes him this person. So maybe if I try and be more like Tamara, maybe if I do this or do that or cook this meal or laugh this way or tell this joke or send this Bible verse every day, maybe I can bring that home. And so I noticed not necessarily something between them versus a difference in him per se. Um, And I, I wanted that person all the time. And so I think that's where like insecurity crept in for me. Like, okay, I need to be more like this person. I need to present this like circumstance or this situation all the time to him. Mm. You're not enough. Yes, absolutely. You saw something in him whenever y'all are all around each other and you wanted that guy at mm-hmm. your house. And, and like, it kept me when I didn't get that at home. It kept me constantly with them. We were never alone together. We were always with them. And so it it was a constant, like a craving I had to be, it made me feel like we weren't as broken as we were okay. because we together with them, we, we were whole, we were happy, we were married, but we weren't that away from them. And so it became like Tamara talks about boundaries crossed one at a time. I feel like it's because we spent so much time with them. Like it just became easy, you know, to walk in the front door or, mm-hmm. um, you know, meet him there after work. And, you know, Amy wasn't home from work yet. So they were there together, but it was all normal. Like it, there was no nothing that made me think that it would happen to me, you know, mm-hmm. with them. And on the other side of that coin, you know, in the beginning, when those things were happening, nothing was going on. Mm-hmm. For me, in my heart, it was the same. We were mm-hmm. friends and it was normal. It wasn't this manipulative manipulative scheme to steal her husband. And that's I say that because that's the danger of it mm-hmm. is, you know, you get comfortable in mm-hmm. situations. You get comfortable crossing the boundaries, thinking, not it's us. fine. Mm-hmm. Not a, well, this is you don't even think about it, honestly. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, the sin creeps in and it becomes easy. One boundary crossed at mm-hmm. a time. You get more and more comfortable and bam, there mm-hmm. you are mm-hmm. stuck. It goes back to that guard your heart. 
right? Absolutely. This kind of thing happens all the time. You have couples that are close friends and just like you're saying, you get super comfortable. You don't guard your heart and you think I would never do that. It could never happen to me. It takes me to James. It's James chapter one, um, verse 15, where it says, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Mm. And death meaning that could be a spiritual death. It could be a physical death, but I take it as a spiritual death in that sense because it starts with the thought, right? And then we don't even, um, even subconsciously, we like it. We don't even know why we like it, but we want more of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we want that desire. That's where that desire sparks. Mm-hmm. And the desire continues, and then it turns into sin, and then eventually the sin turns into death. Take me to when you found out that it was Tamara. So the night that it all kind of came out and came to a head was just, you know, days leading up to that, me begging and, um, and, and truly not knowing where we were headed in this season of unhappiness, quote unquote, I had demanded essentially an answer. Mm-hmm. And so... And this is this is before you knew full blown it was an affair. You just knew, man, Something our marriage was, is suffering. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was two weeks about to have a baby. I forgot to mention all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're you're pregnant at this point. Yes, nine months pregnant. Yes, yes. Again, adding another layer. Tamara was the person I took the pregnancy test with. Um, so yeah, we went our the whole pregnancy, baby showers, the nursery, everything, um, and so. I demanded, I was at the point where I was demanding an answer, not knowing how to bring my daughter into this world, into this this mess. And so tell me about that moment you found out for sure what was really going on. It felt like forever. I was begging and demanding the truth, but I was very much being just like stonewalled. You know, there was no conversation. I kind of realized it wasn't going to be told to me willingly. So I was just like grabbing names, like any names from the past, um, I knew that there was something going on because he wasn't turning it down. He wasn't turning down the thought once I had presented it to him. So at that point, I was just like grabbing for names like who who possibly, you know, could this be just nothing, 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 nothing staring at the wall. And I, f- I feel like at some point, I don't know really what made it apparent, but I thought, oh, my gosh. And, and I like said her name. I said, Tamara. And I didn't even at the moment get an answer. He just looked at me like that was confirmation in itself. He, he did confirm, you know, it's Tamara. But the collision of those words between like making sense in my head and what I was feeling in my heart is probably the worst feeling and realization, just the reality that I've ever experienced in my life. I would not wish that feeling on anybody. Mm-hmm. Um it, it was I was trying to put the pieces together in my head of not only conversations I had with Tamara and everything that we had done, vacations, like everything. I, I felt like I willingly walked into not even knowing. And then also, you know what, you know, the reality of my marriage and bringing a baby into this, like there, the betrayal level was just so much on so many sides. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What did you do? I cried. I expected that my emotion would trigger a response or an an apology or remorse or um, regret. And so I waited 
and in silence. And when I didn't get what I thought would give me hope that this was all just a nightmare, temporary nightmare, and we could just carry on with life, I I left. I got up off the floor and I drove, you know, I got in the car and sent Tamara a text message and drove to my parents' house. There was, there was nobody walking, chasing after me. It, mm-hmm. it was just me mm-hmm. and my 38-week pregnant belly. Mm-hmm. Pregnant on the floor, crying, mm-hmm. desperation. Literally. No response. Mm-hmm. You had your parents. You text Tamara. What did you text her? What did you say? You need to tell him now or I will. Wow. So, Tamara. Um, we were at Aramie's mom's birthday party, sitting around the table about to open presents and have dessert. And my phone vibrated And I assumed it was either Crystal or her husband, which makes me sick to my stomach to even think about now. Um, But I picked it up and it was Crystal and it wasn't surprising. And suddenly my heart just sank when I read those words and I realized, okay, the secret's out. And um, all I could do was really just stare at Aramie's phone that was sitting on the counter or on the table right next to us, wondering, did she text him already? And kind of panicking. So in a moment that I should have been just completely devastated and broken, instead I was trying to protect myself and him. And I was panicking. I mean, I I don't even know how else to put it. Um, I knew that I had to tell him. We were sitting around the table with his family. And then Aramie gets up to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, okay, this is it. I got to do it, right? This is the moment we've been waiting for, right? And so I get up and... I follow him to the bathroom, and actually, we we just wrote about this in our chapter one today. Um, I don't even remember what I said in the bathroom, but I told him, um, and he pushed past me after asking some questions, and and just screamed as he ran out of the house and said, "You all need to pray for me right now." And I remember walking out of the bathroom and looking and his family was like, what's going on? And my son was sitting there at the table with his family. And I felt this pull, like, what am I supposed to do right now? And I just ran out of the door and called him, not my husband, Crystal's husband. And I kind of panicked and I just started running. Sheer panic. I was just running, chasing after no one. And I remember running to the main street and just kind of everything just kind of hit me like for the first time I felt all of it because I had built this wall where I was numb completely numb and all of the bad choices and things that I was doing like didn't really phase me and all of a sudden it all just hit me like a ton of bricks and I was just screaming no no just panicking wailing on the sidewalk and it was nighttime and um then He came and picked me up and we drove off with nowhere to go and no plan at all. We had just completely devastated our our spouses and our families. Um, But we continued on. You guys start a new life together, right? Yeah. Um, You move in together. Crystal, you're at your parents. You've got a baby on the way. Mm -hmm. Baby comes. You are living with him. Yes. Okay. And so, Crystal, 
What is that like for you? You've got new baby and I'm sure he wants to see the baby and you feel like he probably should see the baby. Mm-hmm. He's the, the dad. Um, and do you take the baby to Tamara's in his house or? Yeah, I um still believing, you know, there was hope that um, that he, you know, would change or come back. Um, I willingly took the baby and I remember one of the first times dropping little tiny baby off, Tamara was standing in the doorway. And I remember thinking, like, doesn't even look like her. Like, does sin, does sin make people look different? Like, it, it didn't even register in my mind that, like, that was her. Like, that was my Tamara. And she was smiling and, like, ready to, like, take my baby in and, like, play house with my baby. And... I literally could not do anything about it. There there was nothing I could do. And I I just waited and waited and waited for somebody to feel something that would like see, mm-hmm. like seriously like I felt like I was just standing there like with my arms out like hello like excuse me like mm-hmm. what is happening here and why doesn't anybody care? So Tamara when she brought her baby over to your to your place what would you say was going through your mind? It's so crazy to look back. I I remember that day and I remember genuinely feeling excited for the baby to come and to meet her and spend time with her. And I, I, I was not thinking on a deep level, mm-hmm. you know, evaluating the situation. It was I was very shallow, mm-hmm. um, no depth at all in my life. Like I said before, um, evading anything that would just give me any kind of conviction or anything like that. I really did think that this is what my life was supposed to be at this time. I mean, I had my son who was one year old at the time. And then, you know, his new daughter was coming into the picture. And it was this really twisted situation that I, in my mind, somehow turned into we were this little family. Mm. Um, and looking back, it really just makes me sick to my stomach, but that's where I was operating. That's what I was clinging to. Anything that would give me this sense of normalcy or justification or, um, anything Mm -hmm. but conviction. Mm -hmm. What is hopeful to me, even in hearing you say that is that there are circumstances that people are seeing in other people's lives or maybe within themselves that, people are shaking their head going, what is going on with her, you know, or him? Like, this doesn't even make sense. But even to hear you talk today, there is hope. There is a level of depth that you can get to. Like you even say, I was shallow at that time, Mm -hmm. you know, but that doesn't mean that people have to stay in that place and that there can't be growth or healing. And I just want to throw that out there too. Yeah. um, Because that is not the Tamara you are today. That just shows just what God can do in us. And maybe when we see people doing things that we know where they are lost, they they just don't get it, Mm -hmm. um, that there is hope that God can make a move in their lives and bring them to a place of clarity, you know, removing those scales from their eyes, which obviously that's where you are today. But I just so appreciate your honesty. So now we're at this place. You are living with him. Crystal, you're taking your baby over there. Tamara, you have a son. You and your husband do. And where is your husband in all of this? Where is Aramie? Well, um, 
heartbroken. I mean, Aramy for a long time fought for our marriage um, tirelessly. He did everything that a person could humanly do to fight to save our marriage. And I was just like a brick wall. Like nothing was going to penetrate through that wall. Just completely numb and stuck in this circumstance. And I couldn't even feel his pain. Seeing him broken did not even phase me. Stone cold. Mm. Wow. Crystal, did you and Aramie have conversations about what was going on? Mm -hmm. He was the only person that knew the pain that I was facing. And we became so close purely because no one else like had any idea of like we had never faced this in in our years and truly like both of us fighting or trying to fight for our marriages and getting nowhere you know it's not even like he was making more progress than i was or i was making more progress than he was like we were both like like Tamara said, hitting the wall. There was no penetrating the wall. And so it was It was just us. Together, probably all the time, like every night, um, mm-hmm. just doing what we could to come up with a plan to get our marriages back. And mm. um, I wouldn't even say like, you know, commiserating in our misery. Like we were, we were just there for each other. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of like solace and peace in that for me that I was not alone in it um truly like to this day like he is the only person that knows the depth of the hurt in my heart at that time mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. wow yeah so describe that hopelessness if you could describe it well I had grown up thinking that this was the goal this was the promised land married with children and you know, church and serving. And I had grown to believe that this was the goal. This was the promised land. And so when I had reached the marriage and reached, you know, having a baby, I was at a loss for, for what could come next. I didn't know that this was a potential in marriage. I didn't know that, you know, brokenness and sin could affect people's lives in this way and make them make choices like this. I, it was completely above anything that I had ever known could be my reality. And so it was Mm -hmm. a mess Mm -hmm. and it was stinky and it was ugly and I didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And nobody I had ever heard talk about marriage or, or talk about what marriage looked like or should look like ever had talked about this. Mm -hmm. And so the hopelessness really in it for me was that I thought it was like my life was over. I couldn't serve Jesus. I couldn't, you know, I was now a single mom with a kid who would want to marry somebody like that. I had saved my, my purity for marriage. I now could not offer that to someone else. And there there was no saving or returning myself back to what I was um, before this particular marriage. And so I kind of just sunk into this. Well, all right, here we go. Like, this is it, you know? I, I didn't need anybody's sadness or pity. Like I, I literally had created enough of that on my own. Like there was enough in my life that it just overflowed and I was just 
sad. And mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. So Tamara, there you are. Crystal's over here. She's obviously in her battle, um, emotional battle, cloaked in sadness, hopelessness. Mm-hmm. What about you on your side? I would definitely say that I experienced hopelessness also. I had made these choices that got me to this place. And, you know, it's, I got exactly what I was asking for. You know, I made the choices. I got myself there. But somehow I found myself in this place of desperation. Most of the time I was this stone cold brick wall. But there were moments, like I said before, that reality would creep in through the cracks. And I would find myself just completely devastated and hopeless and broken and wondering how on earth did I get here? Who am I? Like what happened? And shame just covered me so thick that I consciously made the choice. You might as well just make yourself comfortable here because this is your life now. Mm. And so I pressed in Mm -hmm. to the life that I had made for myself because I felt so hopeless and worthless, scum of the earth. Mm. And stuck. And stuck. Like you didn't feel like you had another option. Even though I did, and even though that option was verbally presented to me. I mean, Aramie, like I said, was fighting for us, asking me, come home. Let's make this work. We can do this. I mean, the option was there, but for some reason, the shame spoke louder than he did. Mm -hmm. Almost as if you didn't even think you deserved it. 100%. Like you've got this guy who's fighting for your marriage. You have a son together. And and even the beauty in that, that he's still fighting for you, you personally don't think you deserve it um, based on what you've done. And so you couldn't accept that invitation. Right. And there, you know, in the moments where reality would set in, there was guilt. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah. I was a real human being. Yeah. I felt horrible mm-hmm. for what I had done. I regretted it. I mm-hmm. begged God, please just take me back in time so I can redo it the right way. I don't want this. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I never did this. That's how I felt. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the damage was done. Mm-hmm. And there I was stuck. What happened for you where you got out of that situation? So there was a day that um, we were driving to run some errands. And I hear these songs that penetrate the brick wall that I had built around my heart and convict me. And I just start having this moment of regret. I would say like I woke up from my stupor that day Mm. um, because somehow it just stirred up enough inside of me that I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. And, you know, at that point, my marriage was over. How long was that affair where you're with him living separately? Six months. Six months. Yeah. So six months in. And by this time, Aramie has said, "Okay, I have tried. I have tried to get her back. She's not going for it. We are done. He filed. He he filed for divorce. He did. He had to protect himself and our son. You've heard this song on the radio. It's penetrated your heart. And you know, I've got to get out of this. And I've got, even if I do, it's not like I have a husband to go back to. You just knew I got to get out of this situation, yeah. period. To save my soul. It's like I remembered who I was 
suddenly and realized and remembered that I still have value. Mm. Um, And I didn't really know what that meant. And I don't even think I believed that God could ever use me or do anything with me, but I knew that he loved me. So that day I, I left and I think I felt just as scared that day that I did the night that Aramie found out about the affair and I was running down the street with nowhere to go. It was that same panic feeling of where am I going? What am I doing? I have no one. But the truth is I did. I did have people who loved me and um, carried me. Mm-hmm. And I, I've heard you talk about you went to your grandparents. Yeah. You made a comment last night. We were all hanging out. You said they gave me a place to stay, even though I knew they probably didn't even want to do that. When the affair happened, they were heartbroken. Mm -hmm. And they told me multiple times, Tamara, you need to do the right thing. Tamara, you don't have to live like this. You need to go back to your husband. Um, And so really, I would just kind of avoid them because, like I said, I avoided any Truth. Any truth. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I left that day, I immediately picked up my phone and called them Mm -hmm. and was like, I need somewhere somewhere to go. And they said, why? And I told them, because I'm leaving. And they said, well, you can come here if you're really leaving. And I said, I am. And they said, then come. And so I went and they provided a place for me to stay. And they loved me and they trusted me and they helped me. Uh, get back on my feet. And man, I'm just so thankful for them. Mm -hmm. Amen. So Crystal, when you found out Tamara was out of the picture, what went through your mind? Instant hope. Instant hope. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, I still pegged her as the problem. And so with her gone, as broken as everything was, I could go back to that because that was better than this, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so... There was hope, essentially, with what I thought was the problem gone. Mm -hmm. And so you tried to reconcile your marriage. Yes. Did that work out? No. We went back for two years. I went through extensive counseling, um, had another baby. Um, And so, you know, slowly trying to rebuild and put back together what was severely severed. Mm -hmm. And in the end, you know, if, if Jesus is not the center, like, Real change and real conviction does not take root, and mm-hmm. it's it's just not going to work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 10 years later, I'm married to someone else. So mm-hmm. there's a long road of, of singleness that came. So, Tamara, and then you and Aramie, you decided you had this breakthrough moment where you thought maybe there's a chance that he would take me back. And, and I know we've talked about this in the past episode, so I'm not going to— stay here very long. But one of the key components of you and Aramie getting back together was truly your humble attempt of, I mean, it was humble desperation, basically saying, I will do whatever it takes. I will do anything I can do to make you trust me. And it was repeated. It was over time. I know it wasn't easy. Just tell me a little bit about that process of of reconciling with Aramie. Yeah. Um, My mindset through all of that was, I mean, I was completely humiliated and humbled and basically I had nothing to offer. So I took it as 
an opportunity to prove that I was trustworthy. And so I just literally did anything I could to show Aramie that he could trust me. And I wasn't trustworthy. I had been deceitful. I was manipulative. So I was even training myself. You know, I I mean, I didn't just make the decision one day and then all of a sudden I was this new person with new habits. And, you know, Mm -hmm. all of those things are baby steps too, one step Mm -hmm. at a time. So it was a process, like you said, that took a lot of time. And like Crystal said, if Jesus is not the center of it all, it didn't matter what I did. If we both weren't seeking him, it would have never worked. Right. Period. It's a true surrender. Absolutely. Um, then it is no longer about us and is about doing his will above our own. And that is truly the only place to live if, if you do want growth and mm-hmm. healing of any kind. Yeah. Um, so and that's what I hear in both of your stories. So let's let's go to so you and Aramie through counseling, just true moxie, perseverance in your relationship, just really pursuing healing and growth for years. So somewhere you two cross paths again. How did that happen? Was the Lord speaking to you on that? I know in my heart, um, when Aramie and I reconciled, it was immediate. The desire to want to, first of all, apologize um, and express how sorry I was to Crystal was immediate. Um, But it was complicated because she was trying to mend her marriage. And, you know, I was trying to create really, really safe and healthy boundaries for my marriage and my heart. Um, So it, it just wasn't something that could happen right away. And Aramie and I talked a lot and did pray a lot about that. And I was just kind of waiting, I guess, for God to provide the right opportunity. Right. You weren't pursuing Crystal, seeking that. Um, You wanted it. Your heart wanted it. um, But you were also trying to respect her. Yes. And and her situation. And so, Crystal, on your side. I think it's a lot of times people assume or think that I just forgave her out of obligation or just to move on with the story or like something very shallow. Um, But I was actually still married. We were still in counseling um, at the time that all of this started to be pressed onto my heart. Um, I didn't even think that it was expected of me to forgive her because after all, I was the victim and I was the one that was hurt and like, woe is me. And I had no intention of forgiving her or, or thinking that it was possible. And I remember being in the church service and hearing the sermon on first John and how it's going to be obvious how much you love the Lord by how you love people. And here I was living and hating Mm. this person that had hurt me so deeply, but all along I felt justified in it. And I was told I was justified in it. There was no expectation on me from myself or from anyone to, to forgive her. And I knew that and I lived in that and I just kind of continued on in that. So I remember feeling that weight of, oh, okay, well, I do love God, but like, I'm not loving her. Like, what does that say about me? What does that mean? I don't, honestly, I don't even remember presenting the idea to my husband at the time. Um, but I do remember having this overwhelming sense of, 
I need to forgive her. I need to be able to move on and let go of what happened. I need to stop, you know, thinking that this is justified when really I'm the one that's holding on to this. And I'm, you know, you know, they're saying I'm drinking the poison, expecting the other person to die. Like Mm -hmm. essentially it was killing me to hold on to something that I was never intended to carry. What, what I love about what you're saying though, is you were forgiving, not just for yourself. Initially you were forgiving because of your love for God and what he's done for you. Mm -hmm. right? Right. I mean, you're hearing how he's talking about loving people. And so it was that what you're talking about, this all comes down to, you got to have this God-centered heart um, for healing or growth to happen. And that's where you were. Um, It was about a surrendered heart to God. Like, this is what I need to do because this, I want to do God's will Mm -hmm. in this situation. Um, It also obviously helps you too move on with your life with forgiving her. But I, I love that there's that dynamic in there. It's, mm-hmm. You're not forgiving for yourself, right. which yourself does benefit from that. Right. Um, but you are doing it out of your, your heart for God. It truly helped me. And I don't know if it was in that moment of that sermon or just like the later, the days that followed where I really began to separate Uh, And I said this a little bit earlier that like the blood of Jesus covers everything. And I was able to essentially compartmentalize, okay, this was the sin. And like, I was hurt by the sin. Tamara fell victim to the sin. And like, I was able to separate and put my pain towards the sin and the brokenness and not towards her. I was able to disassociate her being the object of my hurt with the sin and and then realizing that Jesus had come and died and shed his blood for that mm-hmm. and that was covered. So who am I to hold that over Tamara when the blood already covered her? Like mm-hmm. so to to separate that, I was able to actually have empathy for her and what, you know, the sin that, you know, everybody falls victim to some type of sin. Hers just happened to hurt more. Mm-hmm. And I was able to, to, to separate those two and, and then in turn feel empathy and love and sorrow for her heart and the turmoil that she was in and had caused. And so that truly is where I feel like people get hung up on forgiveness they can't let go. They can't disassociate the person and what they did and their actions and tie it to the correct source of the sin and the brokenness and the depravity of the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. And so they stick it on this person and they can't, they can't get it off. And so everything that, you know, every emotion, every action, every reaction is now associated to that person mm-hmm. and and you, not the brokenness. Yes. Mm-hmm. I and mean, if you can never separate the two, then you're forever going to tie it to a person and what they did rather than, you know, mm-hmm. the sin that we all live with. Mm-hmm. Um, Just being able to remove yourself mm-hmm. um, from that is phenomenal to me. That is a humble approach. Um, pride is what keeps us blaming mm-hmm. others. And I just, I really appreciate that. So to begin the reconciliation process, who reached out to who? Crystal sent me a text message and basically said, hey, Tamara, it's Crystal. I just want to let you know that I forgive you because of what Christ has done for me. And I love you and I want the best for you. And I'm totally paraphrasing, but basically this is what she said. And in that moment, she was free. 
Like she was just totally Mm. set free from the bondage of unforgiveness that she had against me. And, and, and I was free. And she, I think she even said, you don't owe me anything. Um, Wow. And that really spoke volumes to my life because here I was desiring to apologize to my best friend whose life I completely shattered. And here she comes telling me that she forgives me before I even apologize. Like, how good is God in that? Mm. It's unheard of. In human world. What did you do? How did you react to that? Uh, I wrote back and said something to the effect of, I've been wanting to talk to you for months. I am so sorry. And that was my opportunity to express how sorry I was and say, I know you've already forgiven me. Thank you. I love you. I miss you so much. I think of you all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I know we can never have what we once had, but I love you. And it was like really amazing, but it was also just heartbreaking at the same time because I realized what I was missing. Mm. It was one of those consequences that really hurt. Mm -hmm. You just got reminded of the goodness of of who Crystal is. Yeah. And and the loss of a friendship. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so after that, years went on, you would see each other. Would you meet up and have coffee and just start building this new relationship? Um, There was a time when Crystal messaged me and asked if I wanted to meet her at Starbucks. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like blown away. Um, I just had um, our second baby. And I knew Tamara was pregnant because I had seen her at a restaurant. And so here we were like months apart having babies again. And so I thought or I was hopeful that, you know, maybe there could be not even reconciliation at that point, just like peace made, like, you know, shake hands. Like amends. Yes. And so I asked her to, if she was willing or wanted to, would be interested in, you know, meeting at um, Starbucks to meet my new son. It was kind of like an excuse maybe I used just just to see if this would be possible at all. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's truly where there were some groundbreaking and maybe a true healing for me uh, to hear, verbally hear and see. And and so I talked about earlier how when I saw her standing in the doorway exchanging my new baby, you know, to a couple years prior, um, she looked like a different person, like sin had somehow changed the way she looked. And so now seeing her at the in the Starbucks meeting we had, she was she was Tamara again. She looked, mm. she sounded like Tamara, she cared for me. Like Tamara, there was no hiding anymore. There was no um, secrets. It was it was Tamara again, and so I felt like she just explained the first time, like grieving that loss. Like we can't have this. Mm. I was still married to him. Mm. You know, they were reconciling. Absolutely inappropriate for the four of us to hang out. Like mm-hmm. there was no hope in it. Mm-hmm. But I, I I wanted it. I wanted that friendship that we had because I saw the true mm-hmm. Tamara again. Wow. And so, and what's crazy is I look back on that moment and remember how incredibly awkward that, that meeting was. mm -hmm. I mean, in the moment I was not thinking this is so good for our hearts. I was thinking this sucks. 
Mm. Like, it's really good to see Crystal. And I was so thankful and so excited for that. But like it, it also didn't feel good. I don't think either of us even knew where it was going from there. For after this meeting, I don't think we talked for a couple of years, like maybe on and off text messaging. We never hung out again. Right. But looking back, you know, we left that that coffee shop meeting feeling kind of like, OK, you know, like what are we doing? Um, but looking back, it was such an instrumental part of the healing that we would later experience. It was mm-hmm. like the segue into that. And we didn't even know it, you know, so. I feel like that meeting was like closing the chapter. Mm-hmm. Like we thought we were just like closing the chapter, closing the book on our friendship. Like, okay, we made peace mm-hmm. or we don't hate each other anymore. Apology, you know, forgiveness was granted. Okay. But had Crystal never been brave and bold and asked me to meet her, probably despite her feelings, I mean, we literally wouldn't be here today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was the starting point of, like you're saying, a new chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily at that moment, but the potential yes. of a new chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew in that moment that she cared for me and loved me. Mm-hmm. Um, that was reaffirmed. And so I knew I, ha- I had a friend in her, whatever the Lord would do or like the possibility was there. Mm-hmm. Which and, and just listening to you both, I mean, even I see the the true love there. You already, you truly did have the true friendship mm-hmm. in the beginning. Yes. Um, before it fell apart. Yes. And you're able, because of that, you're able to come back, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to that. And just a reminder of no matter, I mean, what kind of relationship someone is in, you know, the other person can make some really harmful, broken choices. Um, but there is always hope in any relationship, mm-hmm. especially when it, it, it is that true love friendship that you all have and continue to have. So I think that's just so powerful and a great lesson for anyone listening. And and what our story is not is it's not a do this and you'll get this kind Mm -hmm. of story Mm -hmm. Um, because there is no prescription um, and it does not always turn out this way for people who are in similar situations. I wish we could do that. I wish we could say, do this and go to coffee and have this conversation mm-hmm. and you're going to be friends again and it's going to be great and God's going to use you. But but that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. Crystal did all of these things not because she was expecting a certain outcome. I did not leave that day um, because I knew that my marriage was going to be reconciled or that someday Crystal would forgive me because I had no idea. When you do things with the posture of, I'm doing this because God is good. I'm doing this because he's going to carry me. And this is what he's called me to do. Then he works out his plan for you when you stand in that posture. And and it's not a promise for a good or easy life. Mm -hmm. But it is a promise that he will carry you and that his plan is perfect. And man, I'm just so excited that his plan was for us to. Absolutely. (laughs) I think they're leaving that day there. There was no thought in my mind that we could be friends. Um, It just wasn't appropriate in that season. And I mean, it was years later, you know, coming back around through what I was going through again in my marriage. And who was the first person I turned to? Mm. Tamara. Wow. Man, that's just incredible. She knew. And I remember thinking she is the only one. That not would know my pain, but would know what it's like to be caught in the mess again. Like she knew 
like the hell, if I can say that, mm-hmm. of being caught and deceived and making choices. And she had been redeemed. She had come, you know, back to Jesus. And I knew that I could share at this point, I could share my pain of where I was at again in my marriage and, and she would be there. And I don't even know, you know, maybe we had text a handful of times in those two years following or year and a half following that coffee meetup. But I knew that when I called, you would answer and you would listen and you would know like, man. And and part of me too wanted and I desired for you to know what was happening again so that you could have affirmation and confirmation, not that you needed it, but that you had made the right choice Mm -hmm. and like you got out and you made your life right and, and did the things that you knew obediently you needed to do Mm -hmm. and not to get your marriage back, but just be obedient and walk in that freedom of that. And I, I knew that you'd be there for me, but I also wanted you to know that putting Jesus at the center of your life allowed this freedom in your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Over the years, what I'm hearing is it's surrender to the Lord mm-hmm. one day at a time. Trust, just trust God. Yeah. Just take care of your side of the street, right? Mm-hmm. And let him work out his plan. And if you can stay in your own lane, stay in that lane, he'll do just amazing things. And and it doesn't mean those amazing things will be easy or hard or any of that. I just, I feel like God shows up in these unexpected ways, just like he's done here, um, just in the friendship that you all have today. And now, Crystal, today you are remarried um, to a wonderful man. Mm -hmm. So actually next week will be two years. Awesome. (laughs) Congratulations. And and you all have started a new family. We have. So Mm -hmm. we um, have our two older kids from Mm -hmm. my previous marriage Mm -hmm. who are now nine and 10. Mm -hmm. So um, I've been Married now for two years, like I said, and we have an eight-month-old baby, um, and he's he's wonderful. He's the husband that you know the little girls dream of, and what I dreamed of, what I what I desired, and what I craved. And um, there was a long, long road of singleness and sadness and sin. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a lot, maybe for another time. <laughs> yeah. When, um, it wasn't a perfect walk. No, not at all. And it wasn't easy. And I don't I don't want to make it sound like it was easy or it just came naturally because it didn't. You know, there's a lot of scars from that season of life that I have to be careful and aware of to not put on my husband now. Right. Um and essentially, you know, crucify him for somebody's sins that, you know, he didn't do. And mm-hmm. there's a level of understanding and grace that I'm given by him because of the road and the betrayal I've walked through. And um, that in itself is gracious and wonderful and loving. And the best thing, hands down, about my marriage and being married to him now is that he doesn't silence any of this. He is in support 100% of the testimony Tamara and I have and what we have walked through to be here and to be able to share the hope of Jesus Christ. Like that is not in any way silenced. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. And Tamara, you and Aramie, y'all have come a really long way Mm -hmm. in your marriage and um, you have just a beautiful marriage. I, I see you almost every day now. You move, have moved closer to where I live 
uh, which has been such a gift and blessing Hallelujah. to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> such a blessing um, to me. And I just see you and Aramie really walking out your faith. And it's a beautiful marriage that you have today. And then I, I watched the two of you just hanging out with you all together, uh, all of us together. And the last couple of days has been so neat um, to watch you. Y'all definitely adore each other and laugh at each other's jokes. And there's a freedom here, um, Mm -hmm. which I think is so important to note because you're both, and we talked about this earlier um, at my house, we're both, you guys are both willing to be fully transparent and open and honest. You're willing to talk about it. Just be real about the reality Mm -hmm. of it, the heart of it, the blessing of it. um, And just in your friendship, it's just remarkable to me. And so I just want to ask you this question, Crystal, the Tamara that you know today, what do you see in her that you just value and love so much? I think the first thing that I always share to anyone about Tamara, because again, just sharing this story now to people we've told for 10 years is not, is no longer shocking to me, but people hearing it for the first time are always like, oh, what? Like, no. Um, <laughs> Y'all are friends? What? Yeah. And so there's always a, a shock value still. And I, the first and one of the first things I always say is the way, like, that is how you deal with a mess you made. Like, you, like, going back to Jesus and, like, that is how you make your life right. That is how you, you know, go on to use your testimony to help other people. Like, there is pain or there's purpose to that pain now. There is, you know, a message to that mess. You know, all those cliche mm-hmm. sayings. Like, truly, like, I I respect and I honor the way that she and Aramie have handled the storm, we say. And I I don't know how somebody else could not honor that as well and respect that and, and you know, see how she could have handled it. Just literally the complete 180 of her life. And that that is the, the first thing that I say. Like, I love her. I cherish her friendship. She is a an amazing person, an amazing mother, an amazing wife. And there's so much honor and respect in how this all was handled when she went back to Jesus. And I mean, what a testimony to, to just anybody struggling with any kind of sin, whether it's infidelity or anything like the tie and the pull, the desire to keep sinning when you know it's wrong. Like everybody's faced that. It doesn't just have to be this situation, but to be able to share that openly, like I feel like just resonates with people and, and to be willing to share that openly in front of people to help people's marriages is, is profound. People run away from the pain they've caused. People sweep it under the rug. People avoid it. People don't talk about it. And I just think there's so much honor in that. Mm. Tamara. Um, man, I'm just like blown away right now. Like, it just doesn't get old. Mm-hmm. I'm truly just so blown away at what God has done here. Um, I remember one time talking to Crystal after we had reconciled. And I think for, like, months, I, every time I would talk to her, I would just say, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. And there was a day that she stopped me and looked at me and was like, you can stop telling me you're sorry now. I forgive you. You're free. And I didn't want to stop. Like, and and even sitting here right now, like I just said sorry again. And <laughs> and I want to say it again. It doesn't go away. 
and when I think of Crystal and when I see her sitting here doing what she's doing, like I kind of don't even have words. I'm just blown away at what what God has done in her and through her. So when I think of Crystal, I think, man, she is a tangible example of Christ's love for for all of us. Mm. She and Aramie are the reason that I know that God loves me because mm-hmm. they have shown me tangibly what grace is. I did not deserve it at all. Look, we're sitting right here and she's telling me how much she loves me. And I'm like, oh, gosh, this is so crazy. It's overwhelming. Look at this woman. And and God can do that in all of us if we let him. Mm-hmm. If we're willing to just realize And I'm speaking to myself, man, the more I realize how little my life is about me, the more he can do in me and through me, Mm -hmm. period. That's right. Amen. And that's her. Because if Crystal's life were about her, we would not be sitting here right now. Mm -hmm. But she had this realization that her life was about him and glorifying him. And look at what he's done. Mm -hmm. It's just mind blowing to me. I can't get over it. It's it's crazy to me that when I met my husband now that I'm married to now, the first people, very first people that met him were Tamara and me. And I said, you have to meet them. You have you have to like I love these people. They are the dearest people to my heart. Mm, and yeah. poor Ben, we grilled him. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> it, it was just so wild, though. And like that, that alone and then them coming to our wedding, you know, is is beautiful in itself. Again, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. wild and crazy. And like, what? Uh, like, yeah. Seriously? Just and to see, so, see Tamara and Aramie sitting in. Yes. In the audience of your wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And hey, guys, it was not easy. Like there are still situations that we find ourselves in today that are not easy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's what I mean when I said, like, you know, when you choose to walk in obedience, it doesn't mean that everything's dandelions and sunshine and unicorns and all that, mm-hmm. you know, foofy mm-hmm. stuff. Like there are still really hard moments that we're mm-hmm. faced with. And and there are still consequences of my choices that I deal with today. Mm-hmm. But that's where that whole posture of like, my life is not about me. As you continue to to stay in that posture, though, just healing keeps continuing, continuing. And so just, Crystal, I want to ask you this, too. There's a woman out there listening or a man um, who has been in your shoes, married, maybe new baby on the way, just like you are in that situation, or just a family, Mm -hmm. um, and thought they had this picture. Everything was together. And then this, you know, blow. Uh, What would you say to that person who is sitting in that place right now, who's just finding out or who is living in the aftermath of those decisions of their spouse? I think the thing that I needed to hear the most was that it's not over. Mm. Not necessarily in regards to marriage, but my life. I needed to know and I needed to hear that regardless of the season of waiting I was in, I was still eligible and qualified to serve the Lord. And there was still purpose for me on this planet, you know, when I was hurting and broken and somebody needed me, somebody needed my story. Somebody needed to hear that they're not alone. 
Essentially, what you're saying is, despite other people's actions, God still has his race for you, his purpose for you, and things for you to do here. Mm -hmm. And when the circumstances don't line up with what you think they should, that doesn't mean that they're not going to line up in a beautiful way in God's way. Right. I just think back to those those very dark moments where I was hurting so badly. And I just remember thinking like my, I was wasted. My life was wasted. Like mm. this had broken me down so bad that my life had no worth now. And I would just go on to live a life, you know, single with no purpose. Just existing. Existing. And I had never been introduced to the idea, you know, the best is yet to come. Like God can use your mess. And I just, I want people to know that God can use you like right where you're at. Like all it takes is your surrender and your obedience. Like you are qualified because of what you are going through. Like, you know, we, we have this idea that we're qualified, you know, by our good things or our good actions or when we're all cleaned up and looking yes, pretty. Yes. Yeah. And, and really, if you, you take a deep dive into the people that God used in the Bible, they were all messed up, broken, mm-hmm. you know, they had some junk mm-hmm. and I, I want people to know that, like, you know, there's room, there's room for you at the table. Like mm-hmm. it's not over and mm-hmm. you don't know the ending. You don't know what God's going to do and hanging on, you know, for the ride of and, and trusting that God is driving the car mm-hmm. is, is so powerful. If you let him, mm-hmm. it can be beautiful. Essentially what you're saying is there is always hope mm-hmm. when God is involved. And I think you know, I've been there in that place, just hopeless. And you feel like, where do I go from here? Mm-hmm. One thing I know about my own life is, I mean, we all, we we have two roads. And for me personally, it's like I can either really choose God's way. I mean, life is hard anyway. Right. So I can either live through the hard with God mm-hmm. or live through the hard on my own. And I can honestly say that that was a thought of my own as well. Yeah. And well, my my experience has been whenever I've tried it on my own, it's a lot worse. <laughs> and so I'm like, you wait a to... second, God, you really do bring a lot to the table mm-hmm. here. And this truly is the best way. Not only are you my sustainer, um, but there's peace that comes along with that and joy. Yes. Um, and so I just really appreciate your honesty and all that. And, and just to those listening, this truly is not the end. Whatever circumstance you're in, it's a season. It truly is a season. So remember that. Do not quit. And and Tamara, what do you want to say to the person who has been in your shoes, uh, who feels numb? Um, they're not really digging deep or they are the betrayer. They're sitting in that shame or guilt right now. I just want to say the same thing that Crystal said. And it's it's so interesting that that same wisdom is applied on both sides of the story. You are not too far gone. God can use your pain for his purpose. Whatever it is that that is your stronghold, you're going down this road and to turn back and go all the way back to where you came from and then go down a different road is like ridiculous. It feels ridiculous because it's so much easier just to keep going down the road that you're on. Like, am I really going to like make a six point turn, turn around, go mm-hmm. all the way back and then start to a new destination? That's insane. But you know what? It's worth it. Mm -hmm. It's worth it. 
Because not only when we find Christ do we have the promise of eternal life, but we have the goodness of experiencing him and his goodness here on earth too. If you don't know him, just look for him. Mm-hmm. You'll find him and, and, and he'll carry you. Mm-hmm. And if you do know him, turn back to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One step at a time. You're not going to be perfect the moment you decide. You'll never be perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, but one step at a time, just turn around. Six point turn. It's, that's six points right there. There you go. Then keep just heading backwards and he'll take you down a new path mm-hmm. of goodness. Well, and I want to um, reiterate what you say that it's not about doing it perfectly. Um, we really can't do it perfectly. No. And not every story ends with a, a bow on it, but you're in a place where there's this underlying peace and joy. Mm-hmm. And and one thing, and, and I want to, the term obedience has been used a lot in this podcast. And obedience truly just means trying to do the heart and will of God. In your everyday action. When it doesn't make sense. When it doesn't make sense. That's right. And so that's what that looks like. And he will show up and he has continued to show up. And and also there's so much joy and there is a fun aspect to this, too, that we this is such a heavy, serious topic. And I wish people could just be in the, the vehicle um, with us or at a restaurant when we're <laughs> we're cutting up and being ridiculous and and just the random things that are said. And I mean, one thing I know about you two girls is you both really know how to make me laugh and I appreciate that a lot. And so we do have a lot of fun too. Thank you all for just sitting here with me today and being so real and honest. And I know your words are going to move in the hearts of those listening in a big way. And I just really appreciate it. I love you both. And Crystal, I've known you for two days (laughs) (laughs) and it feels like I've known you my whole life. Um, you're, You're just that much of just a special, unique person. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're so real and honest and your personality. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) If only you could see that. (laughs) I I really treasure you already. Mm -hmm. And and Tamara, same with you. Um, You just hold such a, a dear place in my heart. And so thank you for giving me the opportunity to just talk to you all and just share your story with the world. And I'm really, truly grateful for what God's done in your lives and and just the journey he's brought you both through in so many amazing, healing, beautiful ways. And if anybody wants to get a hold of you both or reach out to you, how can they find you? Like, are you on social media? We are. Um, so we are actually writing a book right now, sharing our journey and how we found hope mm-hmm. in the midst of all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're really excited about it. And we have created a social media um, page called Hope Talk Today. So if you go to Instagram, it's at Hope Talk Today. On Facebook, it's also at Hope Talk Today. Um, and then we do have a website, hopetalktoday.com. Uh, if you want to email me at christy at thebraveplace.org, that's C-H-R-I-S-T-Y at thebraveplace.org, shoot me an email. And also, I just want to give a shout out to Haxton Road Studios. That is where we have been recording this podcast today, and they have just been such a blessing to my podcast journey. Haxton helps local artists and artists from all over the world. They come in here and they record awesome stuff from commercials to, to movies to music, all of it. And And Haxton is in Bentonville, Arkansas, Haxton Road Studios. Thank you so much. And until next time, hang on tight to the Lord and have a brave day. Right. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to The Brave Place, part of the KLRC Podcast Network. 